0: Hello, and welcome to the Fat Loss Uncomplicated podcast. We are on episode number 18. And this is going to be a Q&A episode, um, mainly because you've requested it. All you listeners requested it. So we're going to go through some questions today. I'm here with the amazing Grace. How are you, Grace? Let me guess. <laughs> are you sore?
1: Do you know what? <laughs> I'm actually not that sore. <laughs> now had we done the podcast two days ago i'd have been in fucking agony um because we did like I uh, did one of my friends like a 45 minute just hell on earth workout after two days of legs so i was walking like a cowboy for the last two days but now i'm not sore and i'm getting ready for park run tomorrow so um Lovely. first competition is in ooh, five weeks so little mini one. I'm doing a little mini high rocks so, pairs,
0: pairs competition.
1: No, I'm gonna I'm gonna go solo YOLO. Oh shit! Yeah, I'm gonna go solo, and then after that, it's the big one in March. Start of March. That's that's the that's the single high rocks. So yeah, two singles in a row.
0: Do you genuinely just go into this thinking I'm competing against me, or do you have any other thoughts on who who's going to be competing against you?
1: No, it's, it really is just see the best time that I can get there's going to be people that are faster than me and there's going to be people that are slower than me and it's just like well forget them because they're not me so yeah. it is just a case of st- i think that's why it attracts a lot of people it's got popular because crossfit is you versus other people but high rocks is you versus you so i yeah. think that's why it's quite appealing to me especially because i've done lots of sports where you are competing against other people you know especially like cycling where it's man on man but this is very much right what have i got on the tank? on and whatever your time is, that's totally up to you. You know, like you're in control. Nobody can slow you down or speed you up. Fair
0: enough. I mean, I, I it does sound horrific, but <laughs> <It is. laughs> part of me does want to give it a go.
1: I think you'd enjoy it. It, 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 even if like even if you did it once. I've said to a few friends like that are relatively fit. I was like, you could you could do this once as a bit of banter, you know, and and, and see how it goes. And even the training, the training is quite fun because for me it's so different than bodybuilding and weightlifting. Hmm. So it's it's quite fun to kind of be like, oh, I'm fit again. I can run.
0: Well, the highlight of my day has been I went on a dog walk this morning and anyone who knows my dogs, we've got Nala, we've got Coco. Coco's an angel, Nala's a bit of a twat. <laughs> Nala decided to... Um, start a fight with a disabled dog today. No. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it wasn't a proud moment for either of us. But I saw this, do- this beautiful brown, gorgeous dog, but his two hind legs were just like dragging across the floor. He was dragging himself with his front two legs and the back legs were just completely immobile. And Nala spotted this dog and thought, you're the weak link in this park yeah. i'm gonna fuck you up <laughs> <laughs> it's it was like, quite it's embarrassing for everyone involved but that's that's how my day's gone beating up a disabled dog
1: <laughs> it can only get better this podcast <laughs> will make a bear.
0: <laughs> let's hope anyway let's jump into some questions do you want to start with one
1: yeah, so there's one actually that's popped up a couple of times and sometimes it does surprise me as to why people ask this cuz I suppose I think it's common sense but it, it's if you're given a certain amount of calories do you have to eat all of those calories? <laughs> so let's say we've calculated a client's calories are 1700 that's them and their fat loss calories. And then they would ask, "Guys, I'm only like I'm, hung- I'm not hungry and I've ate 1500. Do you want me to eat the other 200 to get the 17?" That that comes up quite a lot. Do I have to eat all of my calories? And the answer to that is kind of twofold. If you're fairly close to your calories, then no, you don't have to eat all of your calories. Eat just when you're hungry. And then if you're not hungry, don't eat. Sounds simple, but that's how we often put on weight. We eat when we're not hungry. But then you would get people, or especially women, that are eating very, very low so they might come to us and we've calculated they need 1,600 and they're eating 900. That's when we kind of need to look at it and go, well, you do need to be a bit closer to your target because you're you're physically not eating enough. Um, yeah. So that one kind of comes up quite a lot.
0: Yeah, I think you've answered that perfectly, to be honest. I think the the thing with calories is we always want you to see them as an allowance, not yeah. a target we give our clients a range of calories to work between anyway. So it it makes more sense that we look at it as an allowance because you've got a range, not just a single amount. But like you've just said there, that the only issue with this is if you go too far under, Mm -hmm. because the thing that we do know for sure is under eating will always lead to overeating. So if we spot that a client is meant to eat 1600 calories and they're eating 1000 it's not going to be long before that rebounds, and they start overeating and going over that sixteen hundred. It's just going to happen. And when we are talking about sustainable fat loss, we want we want it to be a, a sort of smooth process rather than an erratic extremes of undereat, overeat, undereat, overeat, because you just end up in a cycle of sort of restricting yourself and then you binge. And then you end up feeling guilty and you restrict yourself. And it's all in all, you end up in a bit of an unhealthy cycle. We want it to just be a gradual. This is the rough amount of calories I eat every single day. I can see my weight trending down. You don't get big spikes on the scale because you're under eating, then you're overeating. But we would never want a client to force feed themselves to reach a calorie amount if you're sort of two, three hundred calories under it if your goal is fat loss, you should never be force feeding yourself ever. Yeah. yeah. What one I shall go with. Um, what's your thoughts on ice baths?
1: Oh, do you know this? I've been reading about this and it's come up quite a lot. So the the research does show that it burns, you You will burn calories over the course of the rest of your day if you have something like an ice bath, bath or a really cold shower. Is it substantial enough that you should run out and grab an ice bath this very minute? I don't think so. It, it will help recovery. There are studies that show it does help burn a few more calories throughout the day, but it's not something I'm investing in anytime soon. I don't know about you.
0: Have you done it before?
1: I've done it once.
0: But Th- that that was enough.
1: <laughs> in, it's fucking cold. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I I like a nice hot shower after I've trained. Like, maybe I'm a bit of a wuss, but um, maybe it's all the years of cycling and the fucking freezing cold and hail and snow <laughs> and storms that's put me off the cold. But, I mean, did I feel good for having done it? I have to say I did actually feel good that I did it. Would I want to do it every day? No.
0: Yeah, I think I'm on that same level. I feel like there's something to say for... Starting your day with something really tough. Yeah. And then after that, the rest of the day feels like a bit of a breeze. And I've got no doubts whatsoever that getting in an ice bath every morning and forcing yourself to do that when you really don't want to, and it's pretty fucking excruciating while you're in there, I've got no doubt that that builds some sort of mental resilience. It will 100%. As for the fat loss claims, I don't think an ice bath is going to have any impact over fat loss. There's also claims about getting a sort of release of dopamine. I've done ice baths before. I didn't come away from it feeling like I'd had a line of cocaine. Like It didn't give me any sort of magical feeling. But I think the main benefit to an, out, an ice bath is just building that mental resilience. And if you are someone who tends to procrastinate, tends to sort of choose the easy option for everything, maybe an ice bath every morning might build build some mental resilience and you'll be a better person for it. But for me personally, I like to start my day, call me crazy, but I like to start my day doing something nice and not something fucking horrible. So I'm going to stick with a nice warm shower and a dog walk.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. I think it's kind of one of those things that's become a bit of a fad, hasn't it? Whether it lasts, we'll see, but like the research is still definitely out on it. I mean, the amount of calories that it burns over the course of the day, there's something like 20, 30 calories. Like, really? You're going to buy a, an ice bath for 20 calories? You go ice on a five bath. minute walk, you'd burn that. <laughs> you know. Um, so I, I think it's like, if you want to try it, try it. If it helps you with the rest of your day and it gives you a bit more mental resilience, fab. But is it going to, you know, is it going to help you lose 100 pounds? <laughs> Fuck no, it's not.
0: Agreed. Um, I'm going to go straight into another one is there such thing as being in the gym too long for example if I was to do a 45 minute workout but then a steps class afterwards would this be excessive would it be better to spread this across different days so if I was to just look at that exact example there a 45 minute workout then a steps class I would say that is more than fine That is definitely not excessive, especially knowing that the 45 minute workout is a different style of exercise to a step class. If you were to say to me, look, could I do a 45 minute workout and then another 45 minute class lifting weights? I'd say probably best to split those two up because you're doing more of the same thing. But a 45-minute workout where you're lifting weights, doing resistance training, and then a step class, which is, I'm guessing, more cardio-based, less resistance training, that is definitely not excessive. Um, it's it's kind of like when you fill yourself up on a certain food and you can't eat any more of that certain food, but you could have some ice cream. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> Because you're going down a different path, you can add more on. But... If you're going to do sort of an hour and a half, two hours of very similar sort of exercise, I think that's where it gets excessive because there is something called a maximal recoverable volume, right? So this is the amount of volume that a person can recover from. And there is a sort of law of diminishing returns with exercise in the sense that the first 30 minutes of exercise you do will be the most beneficial to your body, right? If you do an hour's exercise, that's not twice as good as 30 minutes. It's just not. And a lot of people will think if I do an hour, well, that's twice as good as it's not. Because there is a law of diminishing returns where the effort you put into that second 30 minute bout of exercise, you won't get the same return back because of that law of diminishing returns. And if you were to train from an hour to 90 minutes, again, you would get less and less benefit from that. So always just to remind yourself that the first 30 minutes of any exercise you do is going to give you the most benefit. After that, it's going to start to diminish. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there was a, even I know from like personal experience when I was kind of doing a lot of cycling and certainly getting ready to cycle for Ireland, we used to do, I would do, most days would be double days. So I would do strength in the morning or bike in the evening and whichever one was most important came first. So yeah. If it was a power session for the bike which was very important it would go morning when i'm fresh then the evening time would be like a supplementary strength if it was say a leg day session which obviously is important for cycling that would go first you would maybe have like your base your zone two or some base endurance on the bike in the evening so you can definitely train twice a day it's done by a lot of athletes but you just need to remember as dave says whichever is the most important, that has to come first. So yep. if strength for you, body composition is the most important, but you want to do a little bit of cardio or you want to work on your heart health, add some jogging or your steps or cycling or a class and after your strength, if you do it before, you're going to be fucked for your strength. So, yeah. you know, prioritize. I think, there's
0: also a, I think I would also add on, it, it doesn't just matter which one is the priority to you. I would say which one is more intense as well because like you, you, you your workout in the gym should be more intense than you you walk on the treadmill or your steady state cardio afterwards yeah so do whatever do do the thing first that is most important and probably the most intense and then secondly you can do whatever you want um
1: yeah and a lot of people as well funny about in the gym so like just watch- Watch your rest, that's a technical term. Just like watch your rest periods, like actually time them. Because the amount of people that just fuck about in their phones between sets and they're there two hours, they're like two hour gym session. And I'm like, cool, bro, but you only did 40 minutes of work. You know, so like yeah. watch your rest periods and make sure that when you're in the gym, you can get all, all your session done, 45 minutes an hour, boom, you're out of there. Like you want to have a life. I know that if you, even if you love the gym you might want to be in there but be be efficient as well like watch your rest time.
0: Yeah, agreed. I, I I would add on to that and I forgot what this law is called but there is some sort of some sort of law that states like the amount of time you dedicate to a task is exactly how long that task will take. Like True. if you go into the gym and you've got 2 hours to do a workout, your workout's going to take 2 hours. Like if you go into the gym and you know that you've got to be out in 45 minutes, you'll get it done in 45 minutes. And I think that I use that against myself in the sense that sometimes I will give myself an imaginary deadline or I will place my workout before something that I know is important. So I'm like, I've got, I've got to be in and out of the gym in 45 minutes. I'll work harder. I'll train faster. I'll, my rest times will be shorter. And I think if you can take advantage of that little law, you're going to have better workouts. So if you are a a little bit of an inherently lazy bastard like me, you can push yourself in different ways and just force yourself to work harder by giving yourself a time constraint. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you want to ask another Grace? Have you got another there?
1: Yeah, I'm going to ask you this and then I'm going to follow on. How would you deal with someone or people in your life who aren't supportive of your healthy choices? And we we have seen this and experienced this with, with clients.
0: Yeah, I I would just always keep these people at an arm's length. And this is not me saying if it's your dad or your brother, stop talking to your dad or your brother. But I would just, in the politest way possible, make your journey with exercise or nutrition or whatever it is that you feel like you're getting a level of judgment on, I would just take that topic off the table. Whether you need to, if it's someone you're fairly close with, like it is your dad or your brother or someone in your family, I would probably have a conversation and just say, look, this is something that I'm doing. I'd prefer it if when we meet and talk this is not a subject that we talk about i'd rather just keep it like a personal thing that i'm doing for me and i feel like i'm getting certain a level of judgement from people i would have that conversation if you're not so close with them i wouldn't bother having a conversation to say look can we not speak about this but i would just never bring it up with them i would steer the conversation away if they start asking me about the gym and how is it going i would say yeah it's going good. Thanks. And I would change the conversation and ask something else. I just would not entertain it because it's never a situation that is going to end well. If you, if you know, there's certain people that will pass judgment and it will not have a positive effect on you. I would just steer clear of that conversation at at all times possible.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And like, I've had this myself, especially like when I started to lose the weight. There's a lot of people, you know, passing judgment. I mean, I fucking shit ton of weight to lose. This should have been all this for me, but you always get people kind of like passing judgment. And then I had it like if I did photo shoots and obviously I'm on preps, so and my diet is quite strict, and then I need to be training a certain amount of times a week to get to get the look that I want. And I would I actually got more comments than that than I did on losing weight. And people will be going, friends, family, be going. Are you at the gym again or why can't you eat that why can why can you not meet us for lunch or you know if it went for lunch or dinner they'd be like why are you not having this or are you not having a drink and i'm like mm, cocktails it's like a waste of calories there you know so not everyone's gonna understand your goals not everyone's gonna understand your journey but i think remind yourself of the fact that it's your choice it's your body you get your life you get to decide what you want to do with it Sometimes you just have to steal yourself a little bit, you know, and it will make you stronger uh, coming through this. If you don't have people that maybe aren't as supportive, you know, you're going to have to kind of like develop that little bit of an inner steel. And as Dave says, like point out, that it's not something you want to talk about. If you know it's going to be negative, it's going to make you stronger long-term and it's going to make you very dedicated to your goals. You know, you don't need cheerleaders to be totally honest. You just need to have, your own determination to do this and back yourself. Um, not everybody's going to be supportive in your life, but the thing, the key thing is don't let them hold you back.
0: I think it really helps in these scenarios to just remind yourself of the, you need to have a deep, meaningful reason as to why you are doing this. Yeah. And I think the more that you can be clear on that, that why and understand why it's important to you, that's what you're going to fall back on because you're going to get some shit comment and it might be surrounding food. It might be, Oh, I can't believe you track it. Isn't that a bit obsessive that you're tracking your calories? Like can't can't you eat this? Just come out tonight, have a drink. You you deserve a night off. Like you're going to get a lot of comments like that. And I think it really helps to just remind yourself, why did I start this? Why, Why am I doing this? Is it, is it so that I can run around with my kids and, and be healthy. Like the more that you can fall back onto that, the more that you can find it easier to just brush off these shitty little comments that people will make because they probably will come at some point.
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's just massive, so massively important to just keep reminding yourself of your why for when these things yeah. as and when they come up.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I don't. I think to be honest, that's a topic that a lot of people need to revisit because so many people will come to me and we'll have a consultation call and it's like, I want to lose weight, but why?
1: <laughs> because
0: you need to understand. And I might ask that question. Why? Cause I want to feel better about myself. Why? Because I, I don't feel very confident in myself. Why? Why? And then we ask that question three or four times and we get to the fucking deeper reason that my partner doesn't really find me attractive anymore. We don't have a real sex life and I I don't really take pictures with my kids and I feel really guilty about the fact that I'm not capturing any moments with my kids because I don't feel comfortable taking pictures. And it's like, right, that's the fucking reason then. That's Mm -hmm. the reason that we want to keep reminding ourselves as to why we are doing this because that's powerful. That will get you through this. So if you can find a real why as to why you're doing this, that's going to drag you through these tough times, especially when people are making shitty comments.
1: Let's go to the next one. Have you got one or do you want me to give one?
0: Um, How to mentally deal with bad weeks where you feel disappointed in yourself? What would you say to this one?
1: Uh, My main thing, and you're probably sick of hearing me say this in voice notes, but my main thing... Is it zoom out? (laughs) that is exactly it i don't know how many times i say that but it, it genuinely <laughs> it genuinely does work because when you're losing weight when you're i when you're losing weight you you just are so detail oriented which is good you know we want to look at the details because it's it's the habits and the details that'll get us to where we want to be but often we get so caught up in them like oh i haven't done this or I haven't done that or i've missed this or i've missed that and you forget about all the The big stuff that's happened during the week, and you forget to kind of like actually look a little bit further away. So zoom out, yeah, do you have zoom out? So many of us. Honestly,
0: I've I've written the exact same thing.
1: (laughs) It it, it is just because we've coached it for a long time, and we've seen it, and I've lived it. And you, you'll think, oh, I haven't lost any weight this week, so automatically go shit week. Okay, Grace, that's a shit week. You didn't lose any weight this week. But actually, you've totally forgot about the fact you take all of your habits off, you got three good workouts in, you made really good choices on a meal out, you know, you got two extra walks in during the week. You probably did lose fat because you're in a calorie deficit, but the scales are not always going to show, you know, the effort that you've put in. So when you actually do zoom out, there's about seven positives there. And the fact that the scales don't show that, just do exactly the same again for another week and you'll find that the scales will drop or take a progress picture and you'll see that there's fat, fat loss has happened and we're too yeah. zoomed in. And it's the fact that you're too zoomed in and you focus on all, on little small things that you see as negatives. You forget about all the positives.
0: Yeah. Agreed. I've, I've written literally exactly the same thing. I've written zoom out, look at the broader picture, because if, if you've had a bad week, but you've had six consecutively good weeks before this bad week you ain't got a thing to worry about like that's brilliant consistency like these odd bad weeks they will happen but if you're noticing that I've been doing this six weeks and five of them have been bad weeks that's where we probably need to look at the systems in place we need to look at your application of these systems because there's something not quite right but if, you're, if you've had four or five good weeks and then one shit one, your focus should not be on the shit week. It should be on the fact that I've had four or five good weeks leading up to this. And that that is a really good rate of consistency, I would say. If you're having a bad week every four or five weeks, I'd say that's fucking brilliant. So you're right, zoom out, look at the broader picture.
1: Think, ask yourself what is what do you think is a shit week? What dictates a shit week? Because often it's fucking ludicrous what people dictate as a shit week. Yeah. You know, like I've seen yeah. a chicken's had a shit. somebody's of these went um red or an amber, so they've marked themselves like I'm really struggling. And you go through the chicken and you're going, okay, win, positive, win, positive. And then I'm like, where the fuck is the red or the amber in this chicken? And they're like, missed one workout. And, yeah. And, and they're like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? What the fuck? ate
0: some chocolate on Saturday night, ruined the week.
1: (laughs) Didn't hit my protein for one day, guys. You know, so like, ask yourself, what is a shit week? A shit week is, well, if I just go from experience, a shit week is when I don't train at all, I can't be fucked to get any steps in, I'm the fucking cookie monster all week. Think that, that's a bit of a shit week for me. You know, if I miss one workout or I'm slightly over calories one day, or I don't hit my protein one day, um, that's called life. It's not a shit week.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, you 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 bang on. You need to change what what is your definition of a shit week because often that 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 definition is the thing that is holding you back. And yeah, you you're right. If you change your definition of what you think a shit week is, you're going to have them a lot less. Yeah. Um why do we gain weight as we get older and why is it harder to lose? So, As you get older, the reason people tend to gain weight, I would say it's 95% down to your behaviours. People tend to think there is a big physiological reason that once you get past 40, you're bound to gain weight. And I think sometimes it turns into a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy in the sense that a lot of women will get to 40 or 50 and just stop putting in as much effort because they think, it's bound to happen. Like I'm going to gain weight. I'm not going to be able to keep this body. And that's exactly what happens. But there is a small physiological contributor and that is muscle. Right? As you get older, naturally you will start to lose muscle. All right, And that has an impact on your basal metabolic rate. So the amount of calories that you burn in a day is influenced by how much muscle you have. So as you get older, if you lose muscle, muscle wastage will then affect your basal metabolic rate, which means the amount of calories that you need to lose weight becomes lower. That means to put yourself in a calorie deficit, you need to eat less calories, and therefore it becomes harder to stick to and easier to be in a calorie surplus as well. So 95% of it is down to your behaviors as you get older, And it won't be huge things. It'll be increases in your portion size. It'll be the fact that you move slightly less, take the car slightly more. There will be slight changes in your behaviors and that will be the biggest reason. But the other small part of it just does come down to losing muscle. So if you are getting older, it's so fucking important to prioritize doing some sort of resistance training and eating a high protein diet. Because they are the two factors that will keep muscle on your body.
1: Yeah, I think that's spot on. And I think especially perimenopausal women need to realize that. Because I think women in their you know early 50s, around the 50 mark, going through kind of perimenopause, menopause, postmenopausal, they're like, oh, I'm going to put on weight because, you know, it's hormones and everything. Is Obviously, your estrogen and progesterone levels are, are a little out of whack. But it is mostly to do with the fact that you have lost muscle. That you you need to be able to start doing some strength training to build muscle, to eat the right foods, really focusing on protein. People, women especially, think menopause. I'm going to put on two stone. If you continue the habits you're doing, you probably will end up putting on a little bit of weight. But you know, it it doesn't mean that as you go through the menopause that that's going to be your outcome. it, it is about just yeah. saying, you know, thinking about your current habits, thinking about adding strength in there. And then also like a, a higher protein diet. Those are the key things. If you saw your GP, that's what they'd be tell, telling you for the for the menopause.
0: Yeah. I think when you're going through menopause or perimenopausal, it just becomes even more important, even more important because you're more likely to lose muscle going through that phase of life. Yeah. So eating a high protein diet, lifting weights and creatine, like obviously I would suggest creatine for everyone, but if you're menopausal, creatine needs to be a real priority just to help keep that muscle. Um, do you want to go with one, Grace?
1: That actually kind of leads on to one of the questions we had in. Is staying in your fat loss calories more important than hitting your protein target?
0: Depends what your goal is. If your goal is fat loss, calories are always going to be king. Always. So if there's a if there's a number one and number two in terms of importance calories are always more important than protein if your goal is fat loss. If your goal is strength and I want to build muscle, you might argue that protein is just as important as being in a calorie surplus. But I would say if your goal is to lose lose weight, lose fat, calories are always more important than protein. It doesn't mean that protein is not important. It's just calories are more important because that's the main driver of fat loss
1: yeah that's it like there's there's nothing more for me to add like that's such a, it's such a simple one to to answer but it's one that does crop up
0: i've got one for you then grace how to navigate through n- niggling injuries
1: uh yeah this comes up quite a lot um just because like <gasps> If you if you train, you're probably going to get little niggles. Like there's just no way to be not have little niggles or tweaks or you know feel a muscle a different way if you're training for a prolonged period of time. Um so injuries, not that they'll always happen, but you might get little niggles. If you get injured or you've got a tweak of some kind, it's really easy to just go, "Oh, fuck, I can't do anything now." I think it's kind of changing your mindset around right. Well, look, okay, I've tweaked my I've tweaked my quad. You know, went a bit hard this week in the leg press. It's a bit sore. Okay, right. You can't train legs for a couple of days, but I mean, you do have an upper body. So I think it's realizing that if you can't train one area, there are there are still other areas you can train. If you're sick, which is kind of the kind of running along the same lines, if you've got the flu and it, you've got a chest infection, and you you definitely can't train. Okay, you can't train, but you can still look at your nutrition. You can still work on your stress levels. You know, you can you can still hopefully get out for a bit of a walk or even just a few few some steps around the house. You can be productive with your time. Listen to a podcast. Do a course at home. I think you get caught up in, I can't do anything or the week is fucked or I fucked my progress. But really, it's just this little tiny small temporary blip. Focus on not what you can't do, which is what everybody does. Focus on what you can do. That's the big thing with sickness and injuries.
0: Yeah. I think you've 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 hit the nail on the head there. I was I was just going to echo that and say focus on what you can do and not what you can't do. I think if you've got an injury in a certain part of your body and I've been through this a lot, a lot. Like even up until 2 months ago throughout the back end of last year I was rollerblading and I fell, obviously. Fell down a ramp, thought I could drop in a ramp after 10 years of not doing any rollerblading. Fell back onto my wrist, sprained my wrist. So I couldn't do any pushing movements for a good couple of months. But that meant all my workouts were geared towards pulling movements and leg movements. Simple as that. Like if, if you can't do a certain body part or a certain style of movement, do everything that you can do. If you can't do any exercise, can we focus on movement? Can we focus on steps and nutrition? Yes. If you can't do anything movement-wise, what can you do to make sure that we're, we're ticking over and we're not just taking steps backwards? Well, you can focus on your nutrition, that's for sure. You can even prep nutrition for next week and make sure that when you are feeling better, you're more prepared for that period of time. But there's always something you can do and that's why we are so big on imperfect action yeah because whether you're injured or sick whatever there's going to be periods of time where you cannot be perfect and and i would argue that the majority of your journey is not going to be perfect it's going to be imperfect weeks where it doesn't really go exactly as you've planned but you manage to keep ticking the boxes as much as you possibly can
1: yeah i think that it's massive like i think we again people just get caught up in what they can't do it's like that's why a lot of people can't sleep going off on a tangent but a lot of people can't sleep because they get to the end of the day and they lie in bed and they think of all the things that happened to them but they focus on all the things that they could never have changed and and that's what they get caught up on and that's why they can't sleep like the research shows that is why most people can't sleep they think about all of the things that they had no way to actually change and then get obsessed with them so it's the same with injuries and niggles like don't focus on the things you can't change you can't change that you've got a chest infection we can't, you know, we don't have a time machine. Can't go back in time. You can't, you can't change the fact you fell over rollerblading. You know, like there's no, we can't, we can't kind of time warp. But what can you focus on? Other movement, other styles of training, other body parts, nutrition. Thinking about like mindset wise, trying to de stress, do some meditation, be productive, read a book. You know, I, 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 do things that you wouldn't normally get a chance to do, and and focus on what you can control. Don't get caught up in the cycle of what you can't control.
0: Agreed. I've got one. Do we, do you think you need to alter our training based on your menstrual cycle? No. (laughs) I, I think my view has probably changed on this over the last five years. I would probably five years ago, probably even more recent than that. I, I was one of these people where I thought depending on certain, certain stages of your cycle, you might be more geared towards lifting heavy here. You might be more geared towards reducing the intensity, but doing more volume in this stage. But it's becoming more apparent that the fact is everyone's cycle is individual. So for me to sort of give you a cookie cutter, well, in this week, you should be lifting heavy. In this week, you should just be focusing on yoga and meditation. Like, Anyone who tries to give you a cookie cutter sort of example of how you should modify your training based on your cycle, it's shit. It's too individual. What I would say is the best thing to do is to monitor your own cycle and monitor how you feel within certain weeks of your cycle. Because if you know trends that happen within your cycle, that's when you can make personalized changes to your routine knowing that that's exactly how you're going to feel. But to just base it off someone else's cycle or what somebody else has told you is probably the best to do, it's just not the case. So monitor your own cycle. It's very individual, but you don't need to make changes to your training unless you notice within your own training, this is something I could modify because it's a trend that I've picked up on. Yeah?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely it. Like actually in the course I'm doing science and research has has kind of come a long way because it was only recently say four or five years ago that most coaches would start to adapt their training for female clients around their cycle but over time now research has has shown that it has been proven that that is unnecessary like you yeah you you don't need to do that as df says like go by how you feel Like monitor, use put it in your calendar or use like like a little period app, menstrual cycle app, where you can actually track your cycle, whether it's like from anywhere from 21 to 27 days, track your cycle, see where you're at. Start to notice, as Dave says, patterns. Do I feel a bit shit in the third week? Do I feel great the week after? You know, every single woman is very different. And then when you are in the week or those few days, you know, you might struggle with, just remind yourself of that because I don't know how many messages we've had off of female clients where they've went, oh, I can't believe how shit training is going, and you go, oh, right, okay, well, where are, you, where are you at in your menstrual cycle? And they'll say where they're at, and they're like, do you normally feel a bit like weak, bit weaker, less energy that week, those few days? And they're like, yeah, and I'm like, right, so you're hardly going to be a beast in the gym for those few days, you know? Like the menstrual cycle is quite a big process for the body to go under; it needs a lot of energy, so. Don't necessarily expect if it is the time of the month when you struggle, whatever phase that might be. Do not expect the same out of your body and out of training. Trust, be realistic, and remind yourself: okay, this is those few days I do feel a bit shit every month in training. Let's just take the weights down and the volume down, and actually just have a good session where I enjoy it and put myself under less pressure. Like I, I definitely know what's the difference in training if i'm on my cycle and whereabouts it is like i could have a really shit session and i'll be like "Mm, okay i need to remind myself of why that is having suddenly lost strength and fitness is purely due to where i'm at so you don't need to adjust You you know your program doesn't need to be adjusted you keep your program keep that same structure but your mindset around your training sessions needs to adjust as to where you're at in your cycle
0: yeah and there's definitely no need If you want to weight train, you don't need to be stopping and doing fucking yoga because somebody's told you your body's more suitable to yoga in this phase. Like no, fuck that. You don't change the exercise that you're doing just because you're in a certain phase of your cycle. If you want to lift weights, you lift weights. Simple as. Yeah. Um, I've got one. We've got. uh, To be fair, we had quite a few on the check-ins about supplements go to supplements questions about creatine questions about vitamins pre-workout so I think we need to go through a little bit on on supplements I will start off by starting with with creatine I think everybody should be taking creatine especially if you're vegan or vegetarian or old or perimenopausal or menopausal (laughs) Everyone should take it, but you should especially take it if you're in those categories, right? So creatine is like an intracellular hydration supplement. It's going to put water within your muscles. It's going to make you stronger. It's going to make you more powerful. It's not going to make you look watery. And I think this is where a lot of women get a little bit scared because they hear that creatine makes you store water, Yes, but that is inside your muscle. It's not going to be the same as when you're sort of due on your period and you look at yourself in the mirror and you noticeably feel puffier. You see less muscle definition. You feel bloat. It's not going to be like that. In terms of how much you should take, I think five grams a day is just the sweet spot. You can do something different with creatine where you sort of load it at the start. You might think for the first two or three days, I'm going to take 20 grams, and then I'm going to drop it down to five grams. I think the only scenario where that probably is more suitable is is if you've got like a a powerlifting competition on the Thursday and you might think, right, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm going to load creatine so my muscles are full by the time I go into this competition. But for 90% of people who are not powerlifting or competing, just take five grams a day. And you don't really need to stop doing that, I would say. Um, anything you want to add on to that, Grace?
1: In terms of creatine?
0: Yeah, or we could go to vitamins or pre-workout.
1: Yeah, I think creatine is a must for pretty much everybody. That Those sections mm-hmm. of the population you've mentioned, that I would call it nearly essential. And I think yeah. there's just that, there's even since I've been training a long time, you'll have known the same. People think creatine turns you into the Michelin man if you take it for a day or two and it it really is like it does not have that effect but i think if you're on the fence about creatine don't be like it is already a naturally occurring substance in the body you're just ingesting more of what is already naturally made Um, and it will massively improve your strength like i really noticed the strength gains after taking it consistently for a period of time
0: agreed and also we need to point out it's not like a steroid people i think some people either think creatine's useless or they think creatine's going to turn me into the hulk or creatine's just going to make me look really watery it's not going to do anything to an, to an extreme i think we need to point that out like you're not going to turn into the hulk you will see some changes in your strength but it's not going to have a huge effect and I don't think many supplements do have a huge effect, if I'm honest. It's oh. it's the 1-2% difference. That's what supplements do. It's not going to be a life-changing thing when you start taking creatine. Yeah, agreed. Unless you're in one of those populations of perimenopausal, menopausal, elderly, vegetarian, vegan. In those scenarios, I think it can have a huge benefit. And especially to vegetarians and vegans, they will massively be deficient in creatine. And I think they've even shown that that can affect um, your cognitive ability as well, like memory and cognitive sharpness. Um, So creatine is turning into one of these super super supplements where it's not just going to improve your strength and your performance in the gym, but it's going to make you mentally sharper as well. And that, that for me is an absolute must supplement. If it's that cheap and it's that good, you should be taking it.
1: It's also Um, the most researched supplement in the world. Like the most mm. researched supplement in the world, but uh, there's not a a supplement for health that has been more researched than creatine and proven to work.
0: But the thing is, I think they keep researching it because there's just more and more little things that could potentially be coming from it. Like more recent research has linked creatine to improving depression and i'm not going to put any facts out there because i don't know if that's true but like why would you not take it if it can improve how strong you are if it can improve your cognitive ability and help with depression it's a fucking win-win-win take it it's like six quid for a bag yeah let's move on to vitamins so um I'll start off by saying, I think if you're taking vitamin supplements, again, they become more important to people that we know probably will have deficiencies. So people that women that are pregnant, elderly people, vegans, vegetarians, this is when I would say it's more important to take some vitamins, or if you live in England and you barely see the fucking sun, again, you might think vitamin D is a pretty smart thing to be taking, but I often find it's the people that are already very healthy that take vitamins and they're probably not going to do much difference, whereas the people that are unhealthy don't bother to take them. So what we've essentially found with vitamins when we're looking at the studies, there's been meta-analysis, which is basically an accumulation of different studies where they look at the effectiveness of vitamins, and overall, they've shown very little evidence support to support health benefits. And I'm, a lot of people might listen to this and think, "How how is that possible? But it's just what they've found. I would say a, a vitamin supplements, uh, it's like a cheap nutritional insurance. It might not do much, but if it's two or three pounds, it's something that you might think, you know what, I'm just going to take it because why not? Um, but I think with... With supplements, they're not, they're not sort of regulated in the same way like medicine is. A mm-hmm. supplement doesn't have to prove its effectiveness. They just have to prove that it's not harmful. So a lot of supplements, they're not going to be harmful, but they, might, they don't have to prove that it works essentially to sell it. So you might often see things like this supplement is linked to or this supplement is associated with They use little smart words like that. It's linked to this or it's associated with this. It might not have a causal effect, but it might be linked to that and it might be a reason for them to want to sell it and make some money. So vitamins overall, it's not something I would be running to the shop and trying to grab unless you are pregnant, elderly, vegan, vegetarian. That's when it probably becomes a little bit more important to take some vitamins. But if you're a normal, healthy person, they're not gonna be a a huge game changer.
1: Yeah, and I think also we often see people reaching for supplements first, and I would say supplement last. Like, get, yeah, get everything you need from your food. Uh, like, I I don't I don't take any supplements. Like, I literally, don't take any supplements. Um, I, I have vitamins wise. Yeah, but I don't. No, stopped, I don't either. Yeah, I've stopped taking creatine because I'm not doing as much strength; it's more endurance now. So I'll probably take some BCAAs yeah. just for like you Know intro workouts, but I yeah, like, just recovering, just recovering. But I, I, don't, I don't rely on any supplements, you know. And it's, I think people reach for those first because it's like quick fix, I'll get this and this and this supplements, and then I'll be all good. And I'm like, get 99.9% of everything you need from your diet. And when you yeah. have holes in your diet, or you're one of those like special populations that we've just mentioned that could really benefit from those supplements, then supplement. But supplement last, not first.
0: Yeah. And I think it is for the average person that looks online and sees their favorite influencers promoting supplements, it's very easy to fall into that trap of believing supplements are more important and hold more benefit than what they actually do. But you've just got to remind yourself that these people are just trying to sell something. Yeah. They're trying to make it out as the best thing since sliced bread because they want you to buy it. It's not going to be a game-changer for anything. No matter what supplement it is, it's not going to be a game-changer.
1: No. Eat some veg. Get outside.
0: Yes. <laughs> shall, we <laughs> go, shall we go one more question, Grace? What are you thinking? Do you want to finish with one? Have you got any? It's
1: a big one. How to not focus on the skills.
0: Well, how to not focus on the scales – well, the simple answer is, you don't fucking step on them. <laughs> that's, the, that's the easiest way to not focus on the scales. You don't use it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that's straight yeah. up. Like, use other methods.
0: <laughs> yeah. I focus. think I, I when I have conversations with clients, I always want to understand what is your relationship like with the scale? Because if you tell me the scale like really gets in my head, I have lots of negative feelings. It will influence my behaviors for the rest of the day. It'll influence my mood for the rest of the day. Like I'm not going to make this person step on the scale because it's just not worth it. But if you've, if you've not really got any issues with the scale, you can just jump on it and see it as I'm collecting data. There's no feelings here. I just want to see what the number is, jot it down and I can use that in my graph. Like, there's no harm in stepping on the scale if that is you but i think you always need to look at it from your personal standpoint but i also think to just sort of counteract what ev- everything i've just said there i do think if some people struggle with the with the scale it sometimes helps to go through a phase of weighing yourself every day and yeah. just looking at those fluctuations because I think that can take a lot of the worry out of people's head. I think the people that struggle with the scale are the ones that just jump on it every now and again. And they just think, right, this is, this, this weight is gospel. Do you know what I mean? But like I've said on many videos, the less often you jump on that scale, the more, the more chance that when you do jump on it, you're not going to get sort of a, a result that is meaningful. Do you know what I mean? Like, you might have lost body fat and lost weight all the days leading up to that scale weighing. And then the one day you decide to jump on it, you're holding a few pounds of water. It completely makes that weighing irrelevant. But I think some people benefit from weighing more. Some people just need to stop weighing completely and measure the progress in different forms.
1: Yeah. I think that's, I actually really like weighing every day. And I think that's the thing society thinks, oh, you're weird. You're obsessed with your weight. You're obsessed with the scales. And it's like, no, I just like to see the daily fluctuations. Like yesterday, I was two pounds lighter. I didn't change anything from yesterday to today. But today, I'm two pounds heavier. But the thing is, I know that that's normal. There's lots of fluctuations. There could be lots of different reasons as to why. But when you look at seven days and start to average out, when you have seven days of data and you average it out, you can see if you've lost fat, if you've lost weight. Whereas if you weigh in one day per week, you're really relying on that one day being a really good scale weight day. Whereas yeah. if you weigh every day, you take the average of your weight and you can see over the course of a month of those four averages, am I going down? And it takes away this emotional attachment to the scales by yeah. by weighing a bit more. But if you do have a really poor relationship with the scales, take them away, go by how your clothes fit, take progress photos, go by your energy levels, go by are you ticking off your habits, go by your lifestyle. You know, just don't don't rely on the scales as your, as your marker for measurements if there's such a deep emotional attachment to them.
0: Yeah, uh, I think we said this on the last one as well, just in the sense that the people that just rely on the scale to measure progress are the people that give up quickest. Yeah. And yeah. that is 100% true. So use as many forms of measurement as possible. Whether you use the scale or not, it's gonna come down to individual preference. But I think if you're gonna use it, weigh yourself every day, expose yourself to these fluctuations, and you can then see yourself. Right, my scales, my my scale weight went up two pounds, but I've actually eaten fifteen hundred calories yesterday, and I've nailed everything perfectly it takes away that little bit of worry because you know you've done everything right and the scale has just jumped up either way. So yeah. when you expose yourself to that time after time, you start to believe that like, it's nothing to do with me. It's actually nothing to do with me. I I can't affect that. And when you get your head in that space where this scale is going to change no matter what I do, that's where you take the emotions out of it and you can just focus on what really matters, your own progress in in different forms.
1: Yeah, bang
0: on. Right, I think we'll wrap it up there because we're coming up to an hour.
1: Yeah, that, I think we've got well, we've gone through all the questions I had from check-ins.
0: Yeah, so I think we've gone through up. all mine as well. Yeah. Um, thank you for joining us, Grace. As always, guys, if you are listening to this, thinking I want some coaching, I want to jump into this, all you need to do is drop me a message on Instagram, fat loss uncomplicated. Or you can just go onto my profile on Instagram and you can fill out an application form.
1: Yeah, we're coming up to 20 It's been
0: a pleasure. It's nice to do one again after a while, isn't it?
1: I know, I've missed it. And everybody's been telling us off for not having one out quick enough.
0: I know, we're we're overdue one, aren't we? Let's just get this one out as quick as possible. Um, But yeah, thank you for joining us, Grace. And we will speak to you all soon.
1: Bye.